This is either going to be a full fuck yes or a fuck no. Here's the easiest hack in recruiting. Hire people whose jobs naturally reflect their natural tendencies. Because you're always going to return back to your baseline personality. So if she's like more nurturing and motherly, putting her in a competitive sales role is the exact opposite. I'm a sales killer. I'm the Kool-Aid guy. I love running through walls. Put me in a nurturing role. I'm going to be the least empathetic HR person ever. <laughs> Everyone has exceptional gifts I found, and you just got to know how to utilize them. Yeah. Welcome to the Ravi Abuvala Show, where we show you how you can build a business that produces cash without you so you can live the life you deserve. All right, Chris, we start the podcast by asking everybody the exact same question. What was one of the simplest decisions that you've ever made that has made everything else in your business easier? That's a good question. I would just say hire great people. Hire great people. I think most problems can be solved with that alone. Yeah. Is you don't have to figure everything out by yourself. You have to get really good at a few things. And if you just hire really good, competent people and build the skill of being able to identify and attract those people, most problems get solved through other people. And was what did was there a catalyst that you weren't having great people before or maybe no people and yeah. then this happened? Like how did that how did you come into this this uh idea? well it's funny because just for context, I run a recruiting company, sure. founded it called Quantum Talents. We build executive teams uh and help companies scale from early seed series A stage through IPO when they're multi-billion dollar companies. So my profession is in hiring and finding the all-stars in the world that create asymmetric returns for companies. But when I, I went to do it for my own company, it was way harder. Sure. Because I didn't have $50 million of venture funding. I didn't have all these things I was selling that other people had. And so the principle I learned first was you have to become an undeniable A player. And until I became an undeniable A player and built a track record, I had no shot. The people that are, you know, I get to partner with today at the company didn't I, I called them. They didn't even care. They they laughed at me, right? They didn't. Uh, they weren't interested in, in working with me at the time because I didn't have undeniable proof yeah. that we had something special in our hands, right? Where they saw a better opportunity working with me than without me. And so for me, that was first. I had to build a lot of traction and momentum, build a sexy brand, get awesome clients, and become a top one percent performer. Then, when I had a clear vision and I had produced those results, it became way easier to call those people, get them to take my calls and actually get them to come join me. Can you walk me through some of your first hires, like when you hired them? Uh, first of all, you know, just so people have context on here, Chris is one of my closest friends. I've learned a lot about him, especially around hiring and finding people. And like, you know, I'll see Chris at the gym and he'll just tell me like, oh, I was on the phone with the, you know, chief revenue officer of Facebook today. Or, you know, <laughs> I was talking to someone, uh, chief marketing officer at Twitter. Or, and I'm just like, you know, kind of blows me away a little bit. I always ask the same question. How did you connect with him? Oh, I saw him a message on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're like the LinkedIn wizard. I used to think I was a LinkedIn wizard until I saw what you were doing as well. So can you walk me through a little bit of the process of like where you're finding great talent for your company, yeah. maybe even your clients' companies? And for context for everyone here as well, you're working with some incredibly large tech companies. I mm -hmm. mean, like in the crypto space, in the tech space, I mean, these guys are valued at billions of dollars. Yep. And they're coming in and asking you to hire the most important people in their company, typical C-level or engineers, something along those lines. Yep. So like whether you're approaching it for your company or somebody else's company, what is the framework that you're looking at when you're going through this hiring process in order to make sure that you get the right person for that role so you don't have to go through this all over again? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say slightly different answers when I'm recruiting for companies versus my sure. own. So with my own, just to start there, I think identifying what's your criteria you're looking for. 
right? First and foremost. So for me, just to make it simple, there's our core values, which we run every decision through. So I encourage anyone who's hiring anyone at all, like know the traits that you're indexing on, the non-negotiable traits, because that's going to be really, really important for that person being a fit for that in particular environment mm -hmm. contextually, right? But behind that, before I even get into the traits, I'm like, what's their track record? I want to know your track record. Like for me and my company, I want to work with anyone who's done over a million dollars a year in revenue because in preferably someone who's done that historically over time. Or if they're junior, they have to have some track record of greatness in some area of their life. I'm going to bet on them. I'm looking for past indicators that are going to give me ideas of where they're going to be in their future. Great. Right. So I think that's a big thing. Is their track record there? And then from a values perspective, does do they align mentally with our culture? Do they buy into the same level of standards and principles? Um, that's in a nutshell. So for me, well, are you are you so? And I'm going to dive a little bit deeper on that. So yeah. are you? How are you figuring that out? Is this before you even send them a message? Is no, this good after? Point. Like, where are you identifying both the traits and this previous level of greatness? So here here's the easiest hack in recruiting: is know which pawns deficient. Like that takes a lot of the pain away and a lot of the confusion. I used to like, I used to learn, I studied hashing algorithms so I could quiz engineers on hashing algorithms. <laughs> and that was the dumbest shit I ever did because I couldn't outsmart an engineer. I was trying to be too smart for the job. It's actually easier to go find engineers that are at the best companies that have similar standards to the company you're already trying to hire for because they have similar tests and similar tech bars. That takes all the guesswork out. Yeah. So it's easier to figure that out. So for me and my own company, I said, cool, who are the top players in our, in our industry, right? So on the executive side, there's really like only five that dominate the whole industry. On the scale side, there's maybe 15, 20 that are interesting. Um, but I started where I worked. I used to work at one called Insight Global. So I went and I, I was like, who are the top guys that I used to work with that I already know? Because when you're starting to build a company, it's best to go through your network. Yeah. Like you, people that already have some trust for you because everyone's skeptical as hell that you're, that you're going to go anywhere. So you might as well start with people that trust you. As you build momentum, it's easier to recruit outside executives and people that you don't have any affinity to. Um, but yeah, so I went to the ponds I knew were, where successful people were and interviewed a shit ton of people. So the last six or seven hires we made, I probably interviewed a hundred something people wow. from the top companies. But a lot of those people, even if they were great performers, one, they might not want to leave. They might not have a motive to leave. And then two, a lot of them didn't want the right culture fit, right? So I'm looking at the right ponds and interviewing a shit ton of people. The big thing that helped me a lot was crafting an awesome message. And I actually got a tip from you on this was the Loom video. Yeah. And you switched off Loom, I think, because people could actually see, see that other people are seeing it. Are. So it's yeah, kind of, yeah. But um, I created a video and the first sentence is by the end of this three-minute video, this is either going to be a full fuck yes or a fuck no. Wow. Right? So th that keeps them hooked to the end. Right? And so by the end of that, people were replying back to me and they're like, dude, that was epic. I have to talk to you. Or like, hey, not for me, man. I so, want to I want to touch on that for one second because I think that that that's huge. So, uh, so people that are watching this as context, uh, um, I we're always looking to hire incredible people at our company, yeah. and I'm motivated a lot by what you do, both with your company and with your clients. And so, when you told me, oh, I just messaged people on LinkedIn from yeah. successful companies, right? I was like, well, that is obvious. I don't know why I'm not doing that. Yeah. So then you were kind enough to kind of share me your message, which was amazing. And then I just added my own little Ravuvala twist on it by adding a little video at, up top. And so for people that don't understand, uh, when I send this LinkedIn message, it's like first line is pretty much like, hey, here's this video of what I'm talking about here. And it was a Loom video. Now it's, it takes them to a whole sales page. And it breaks down our values of the company, the mission, what the opportunity is, et cetera. 
cetera, et cetera. Yep. And they're just so much more nurtured and warmed up than if I just sent them a message like, hey, let's hop on an interview. Yes. Right? Because you yes. want to be aware of like, if you actually like at your level, you know, you you at some point you can speak to almost too many people. I, I For me, anytime I look at a process or a system, I'm like, all right, how can I use automation or some kind of filtering process uh, that doesn't require my time mm -hmm. to get to only the cream of the crop? And I think yep. adding a video has been huge for me to be able to like, because people literally message, watch the video, love what you're doing, but you know, I don't check these boxes, like what you yeah. said inside of there. Yep. Um, and I think one of the things I want to ask you is uh and I, I i have to see your video man i'm so curious about your video i'm sure it's nuts you're probably like got your blue light blockers on like on your balcony <laughs> with your shirt off like i could just no I we, we, got, we got the penthouse and the water in the yeah, background though yeah. so like maybe this guy has something to say that's interesting exactly. so that's all intentional okay for I, sure. I, I can see i we got to definitely figure out what that looks like but yeah. uh I think one of the greatest questions I get oh, when I, I'm talking to other people out of hiring, um, mm -hmm. and I wanted to ask you, I wrote it down beforehand, was around values. Mm -hmm. How are you, so you have your values of your company, and you've actually walked them through with me before. Yeah. How are you t finding out if people are both a cultural fit? Do they share your values? Like, do you, How do you figure that out, either if it's on an interview, before yeah. the interview? What does that look like? It's really hard to do. Um, I like to go through each core value and like walk through and see where they exhibit it and just observe them. Right, a lot of it's observation, right? Like team first is one of our core values. We've made a lot of non-hires with high performers that weren't team first. And so I can tell by how many times they say I or we, or they're they're leading a team of six, but they're the only person performing, right? Why isn't your team performing? Or what did you do to make your team better? Right? Like I want to know, and you know, some people you'll start picking up things in their conversation of like, yeah, people started getting jealous of me because I was so dope. And it's like, no, like you were probably an asshole and you're like one of those high performer assholes instead of saying, hey, like I was a top performer and people weren't getting it. So I set up a weekly cadence call where I trained the whole company, you know, without even expecting a dime. Like yeah. the, that, that selflessness, that team first mindset, that's critical for us. So I'm looking out for that and evidence of that. Wow. Or I'm looking for flags in other areas, right? Mamba mentality is one of our uh, it's our first value, right? And just an obsession with being the best in the world in your personal life and in your craft. So I want to know what have you mastered in yeah. life? Like if it was at the violin where you a D one athlete, like, do you work 80 hour weeks and obsess over mastering this particular skill set? Like where do you exhibit signs of obsessiveness and mastery in your life? And if your lifestyle is kind of like whatever, and you're casual about life, you're not going to be a good fit for us. So I'm examining them against those core values, whether it's a direct question or whether it's an observation. Uh, and I'm I'm ticking it off and making sure every person has at least five of the sevens as pluses. Um, they can have a few neutrals, but no negatives. So if any one of them is a negative on any of the core values, it's an automatic not hire. Culture, values versus experience. Yeah. Which one is more important to you when you're looking for a hire? That's a really good question. Um, as I've evolved... I think one, you can't compromise on values. You can't. Like your culture will hurt and the collective energy of your culture is a huge indicator for success. Um, that said, I've noticed it is very, very important to know what you're looking for in that role. Like if it's a senior role and they're driving business and they're working with your CEOs, they're like account managing, like I would much rather hire someone who's an absolute beast who has the track record than someone who has some potential. So in most scenarios, I got to say both. Really? Like the people that have, if I'm hiring anyone junior or anyone that's, you know, mid-level who isn't, who hasn't exhibited that they're already a top producer, 
they have to show me they have some sort of quality that's abnormal, like crazy levels of hunger, like an obsessive drive. Uh, and those people will be absolute rock stars and you want to nurture those people because they're going to be there for a long time. Yeah. But I like to, I honestly, for most hires, I'm looking for both. And it's such a good point. And I think that previously I used to think that was almost a loaded question a little bit that I gave you there because I used to think it was either or, mm -hmm. but that was only because, and this is a great lesson to everyone that's listening at home. I used to think I almost, it was a scarcity mindset around hiring. It's like, yeah. all right, you either find someone who's a great culture fit and, and like has all your values and you'd love to work with, or they'll be like incredibly experienced and they'll have like everything that you want out of them on the previous experience side yeah. of things. Mm -hmm. And that was only simply because I was too fucking lazy to do the work to reach out to and speak to enough people, right? I ended up hiring um, our chief marketing officer at the beginning of this year. And that was actually the first time I reached out to you was to kind of get a gauge on like how you're outreaching to people. Mm -hmm. And I think I personally outreached. I was actually sending personal Loom videos to around, I think it was 120 to 150 people. I got on 50 interviews and I hired one person. Yep. And that was the first time that I felt like, wow. And a lot of them had the culture and the values. And then a lot of them had the, uh, you know, the experience, but I really felt like less than three probably had both of them together and it made yeah. it easier to narrow it down. Um, so I wanted to touch on that for one second because it's such a good point. And I think that most people settle inside their business oh, when yeah. in reality, Either you can like hire someone like Chris and he'll do most of that work for you, right? Mm -hmm. um, or you can do it yourself as the founder, but I think it's it's pivotal. And the other thing I wanted to touch on was when you talked about how you observe people in the interview process, and that's how you see the values. I'm so happy you said that. That's exactly what, what I do. And so we have a three-layered interview process. First person is the department head. Then it's somebody from the department that they're going to be hired into just to see if it's a value slash culture fit. Mm -hmm. And then I am the last person to interview. It's like 10 minutes that I usually hop on. Um, and I usually ask the number one value in our company is extreme ownership. Mm. And so I usually just, I ask a very poignant question. Tell me something that went really poorly at your last company, what went really, really bad, um, and why did it go bad? And just like you said, I am looking for the person that either says like, oh, my boss was a dick. Like, you know, it, my team member sucks. It yeah. was the economy. It was this, it was that versus the people that might say like, hey, you know, my boss was a dick, but I maybe could have been a better employee mm -hmm. or, you know, they take some semblance or at least all ownership um, it, when I ask that question. And it's shocking how many people don't. And it's also not wrong that they don't take ownership of it because I don't think there's a right or a wrong. It's just like they don't align yes. with our values. Yes, There's a lot of good questions there. Like I think you're trying to figure out do they have an internal or external locus of control? Meaning do they attribute their ability, like, do they believe that they affect outcomes or that circumstances affect them? Yeah. Right? And so people who have extreme ownership, they, they're not going to say I couldn't get this project done because I didn't have enough money. They're going to say, hey, I knew my budget. I knew I had constrained resources. I knew X, Y, Z. I couldn't get it done. This is what I learned. This is where we're successful. But yeah, it's like, do you have that ownership? There's a lot of interesting questions you can ask to figure out people quick. Yeah. Like ask someone if they're lucky. Do you think you're lucky? That's immediately going to tell you if they're optimist or pessimist. Interesting. And you don't want pessimists in your company at all. Like I don't want someone who's not lucky coming to work with me like we're you're saying we're just gonna lose deals just because you're not lucky <laughs> so right that's, just, that's like a lot i don't know what i would do if someone asked me that in an interview like are you lucky it's like i, I mean, feel like, like i'm a I'm super grateful. blessed person yeah no, the, the blessed, people the people it, that are entitled 
or just don't have a high self-esteem, which yeah. is going to translate tremendously in their level of confidence and work ethic and what they do. And, you know, how do you have extreme ownership if you don't trust yourself sure. or believe in yourself or think that you're fucked from the get-go? Yeah. Right? So those are interesting questions is like, yeah, do you think you're a lucky person? Um, but just testing people, I think like asking, yeah, what's the hardest thing you went through? What's 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 one of the craziest responses or things you've heard on an interview before that you're just like, I can't believe somebody just said this to me? Oh, I mean, you would deal with some pretty high sophisticated I mean, just people, some, so. I've, I've just had stupid responses. Like I'm interviewing somebody. I'm like, so where do you want to be in a few years? He's like, your seat. And I'm like, why the fuck would I hire you then? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like I'm not hiring for my seat. So I'm confused as to why we're talking. Um, I think just lack of self-awareness in that yeah. regard or just like, yeah, I, I think one, I, so for me, I like, I always like go to, to go very deep in motivation. Yeah. I don't care how talented somebody is. They could be bringing in $10 million a year as a producer. Um, if the motivations don't line up, there's nothing there. Like emotion is energy in motion. There's no motion. There's no movement that's going to be had here unless they have the right motivations. It's like one girl, I think her legit only motivation she could articulate to me was that she just wanted to buy a fuck ton of, of Louis purses. <laughs> and I'm like, so there's like no altruistic tendency to your nature you like you don't care about the team you're working for like you just want to buy nice clothes and nice shit i'm like that's cool like i'm bougie too yeah but like that's really all you can give me and so like if i can't get to a deep emotional resonance where i'm like this person takes success seriously like it's part of their character and like they care about who they're becoming and the, the contribution they're offering uh then i'm like all right if the motivations aren't pure yeah so for me, it's it's heart, hustle, and intellect. Those are the three kind of that's the trifecta, right? If they have if they have the hustle and they're go getter, like they're gonna get shit done and make shit happen. If they've got the intellect, they have enough IQ to figure shit out. Uh, and, but the the thing that's usually missing, or you know, if it's there, then the performance is missing. Is the heart? Like, are your intentions pure? Can I implicitly trust you with my most important customers? Do I know that your heart's in a good spot? You're gonna do what's right for the company and you just have strong integrity, when you have that with someone who's got that hustle and the drive and they have the intelligence, like they're gonna crush it. Hey guys, really quickly, if you're getting value out of this, please be sure to share it wherever you share things. Share it with your friends, your colleagues, your employees, share it to somebody that you know needs to hear this message. We put an incredible amount of work into these videos and these episodes for you. And all I ask in return is for simply to share it to somebody else that wants to hear that or needs to hear this message. All right, let's get back to it. When I hear even you speak, I'm like, damn, I need to up my interview and hiring game, right? Because I'm, I'm mm -hmm. like so impressed by the way that you're talking about stuff. But even if I look back at where I was a year ago, I have drastically improved my interview and hiring process. Or at least yeah. I, I would think so, right? Yeah. And I can see it by the quality of the talent that we're now attracting and bringing on board. Yeah. And I think that it's so intimidating if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, oh, I, I, heart, you know, all, you're talking about all these values, extreme ownership, mama mentality. I don't even know. Like, I just need to hire this person. I think... What I always tell my clients is, in my opinion, as a CEO, hiring is the most important thing that you could ever do. Yep. Well, that's how we started this conversation. You said it was the best decision you ever did. But at the same time, it's the muscle that we flex the least, mm. right? If you think it's literally the thing that we do, because hiring is not something you're, you're not like, you know, unless you're a SaaS company hiring 400 uh, engineers at the same time, the majority of people probably listening to this, you might hire, I mean, if you're in growth mode, two to six people a month. If you're not in growth mode, one person a month, you know, one person every two months. Yeah. And so like to restart that process over again in that kind of slow environment is really difficult to do. Yeah. What were some of the ways like, you know, I'll just say for me, it was just doing it, right? But yeah. like, what were some of the ways that you got better at the interview hiring process, like both for you and for your clients? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's always good to do postmortems. 
to look back three, six months and say, hey, what were the effects? Because when you're interviewing and hiring somebody, you're just projecting to the future what you think they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You have no clue. There's no way to tell. So doing postmortems as to was that person successful, a lot of times when they blow up or things don't go right, that is when you actually pause the most, right? You're like, wait, what were what what did I miss here? Yeah. Like, and so for me, it's just always doing postmortems. Are you like documenting something or are you just like in your mind? I would like to say that I'm like super systemized at that, but I'm not as organized as you. So like I have a (laughs) I have a good like brain database. Yeah. I, I pay attention to things and internalize things, which, you know, I think that's fine because that's ultimately your intuition. Your intuition is just your subconscious database, yeah. right? Of all the experiences where you implicitly you're like, should I hire that person? I'm like, wait, these things are coming up intuitively in me because I'm registering that I've made these mistakes before or that I'm picking up on something. Um, but there's there's certain things I think you got to find people with hunger. Like that's the big thing for me. The biggest mistake I've made is 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 I think working with people um, or hiring people for other companies that aren't sipping the juice. You might find an executive who's who's done three IPOs before, right? And they have a huge track record. They're like, oh, on paper, you're perfect, but they don't have the juice anymore. They don't have the clear, pure, intentional motivation to go do another run. Um, or I ask people too when I'm asking, hey, like, so you want to work at an agency, right? So how much money do you want to make? They're like, I want to make a million bucks a year. And I was like, okay, well, how much money do you have to make next year to feel happy with your life? Right, it's a different question. So now, I, now they're going to say, "Well, I need to make at least two fifty. Cool. So that's your standard. So you're going to make two fifty next year, right? Because like I know unconsciously where their standard is now. So like I think getting an idea of where people, what people's standards are, is key. Yeah, and wow. what, what motivates them. When you're dealing with like the larger companies, SaaS companies, uh, companies that are going to go public, like yeah. Because I I don't have the insight, right? I I were you know we're an eight figure company. We service and help six, seven, and eight figure companies. Like, is there anything different that a nine figure company is looking for in their like executive leadership? Um, anything that maybe somebody that's listening to this can translate into like, oh, I never thought of looking for these types of people or these kind of characteristics inside of my own company. Yeah, I think different skill sets. Um, I'll share. I was working on a chief revenue officer for um, a ten billion dollar company or eleven billion dollar company. And their CEO told me something that stuck with me. And I said, okay, if I have five perfect people, they're all the same. What's the one quality you want me to hire for that's going to stand out across every candidate? Like, what's the one quality that you're going to index on? And he he just looked at me. He's like, I need you to find me someone who is fucking fearless. And I was like, that's actually a pretty big call. Because when you're hiring an executive at that caliber, and you can draw that down to any size business, you need someone who's just a fearless Kool-Aid person who can run through walls. Cause if the leaders have fear and doubt and they're they they run on like reasonableness, like everyone else in the company is going to adopt their behaviors and their their thought processes. Yeah. So whoever is leading in any sort of executive role for the company who's leading it, make sure they're fucking fearless and they're willing to think unreasonably and set that tone for the company because people won't have any more confidence or conviction or vision than that person has. So I think that was a big thing I thought through is so, fearlessness. So I want to take a pivot here for a second. I kind of want to complete this, this train of thought here. So it's we're almost like kind of given a little bit of a playbook of how to hire really quality people. So we started with like first thing you do is identify what are the qualify uh, qualifiers of this person. Like what do they need yeah. to be doing? Who are they? Have they worked? Have they had an experience in the past that's similar to this one? And then the second thing we need to do is reach out to them. I, I remember when I told you that we were running – ads like on LinkedIn and Indeed, you told me that 
nobody fucking good comes from ads, I think was uh, <laughs> the paraphrasing version of that. So do you only believe in like direct one-on-one outreach yes. for really quality talent? For me personally. Yeah. Um, I'll give you the whole tactical process. Sure. I'll, just, I'll just lay it out. Yeah, I love it. So figure out who you're looking for. Write the job description. Get your clear must-haves, your pluses. Like figure out who the bullseye is first, right? Um, and, and you have to, and I'm going to interrupt you during the middle of it just to make sure, sure it's good for the, uh, for the job description. Can you just like post copy and paste template a job description or should no, you do like the, do the opposite? Yeah. Don't take the copy and paste sure. one because it's a bunch of bullshit. Exactly. No one reads them because they have nothing to say. Yeah. Like bullet point it. Like I'm looking for a top producer that's done this much. Who's worked in these industries, who's done X, Y, and Z, who has this mindset, like spell out a swift, concise, compelling, vivid JD, that's like genuinely contextually relevant to what you're doing. Got it. And make it real. Yeah. Use some funny language in there. Yeah. Right? Like make it that that's more important. So your outreach message has to be clear. And one quick tip on that before we move on is have the beginning of that have a unique value proposition to the person. Everyone reaches out, hey, I'm the CEO of this company. This is what we do. And it's like a bunch of you about your company. You missed the whole fucking point. Yeah. The first sentence has to captivate their soul. But like, would you consider a move for the right opportunity? You know, this is a great opportunity to work with a $2 billion organization, uh, have multiple eight-figure equity upside in a four-year time period, build a category-defining product in the product-led growth space, and work with iconic founders backed by XYZ venture capital firms. Beautiful. You're like, oh, shit. Uh, this is a legit opportunity. I can make tens of millions of dollars working with these types of people scaling a company from X to Y, and it's all there in the first second. So now you're like, wow, that's a relevant opportunity to me. Now I'm interested in hearing more about your company. And how do you, uh, I, we skipped one <clears> step, <throat> which, yeah, that, I, that messaging, because you've sent me that messaging, is just, it works every time. I mean, I just yeah. can't believe it. And as someone who literally writes like million dollar sales copy messaging, I was like, dude, this is perfect. And uh, it's so funny how a lot of this process is super similar to a client acquisition process. Yes. It's like nuts how similar it is. Like yeah. that was when, when I made that connection, I was like, oh, I can actually do this. But one, I, I want you to keep on going on the framework because this is awesome. But one step we skipped okay define the job description then you talked about the outreach how do you find the person that how do you find the people yeah. so we have the message there it's saved on the side here <laughs> but now we, we gotta figure out where are we gonna go recruit from yep. so i can't speak to everyone's industry but i use linkedin for everything right there's dice indeed monster for lower level roles you can use those job sites and be very effective use boolean keywords linkedin is the most comprehensive site uh, there's a couple ways to search LinkedIn. You can do companies. So if you know what types of companies you want to pull from, that's great. That's your pond. And you can use keywords, right? So keywords and job titles. If I'm looking for account executives from a particular company, type in the companies, account executive in the title, some Boolean keywords if I want to throw in there like SaaS, but if you already know the company is SaaS. So you can kind of play around there. It's very simple. Yeah. I but, think one of the things that we did for our uh, like chief marketing officer and a few other people just to give feedback, I just did like the industry we were in. Yeah. And I said 11 to 50 employees. Yep. So it was like similar to our company. And then I just typed in chief marketing officer. Yes. And get LinkedIn. If you're seriously recruiting, get LinkedIn recruiter. Yeah. Well, do you know the difference between LinkedIn recruiter and, and sales nav? Because I've just always used sales nav. Sales nav, limited functionality. You get, I think, 80 in-mails. Yeah, it's like 80 um, or 100 a month. You know, we pay a lot more, I think, we get like five or six thousand a month. In mails? Yeah. Oh wow. That's um, nuts. So we pay, I'll I mean, we, we pay at least a quarter million a year minimum for LinkedIn though. Oh wow. Okay. Um, so but it gives you more in mails. Just it's just better user experience. If you're doing a lot of recruiting, LinkedIn recruiter's worth it. It's probably five, six grand a seat. Got it. Um, plus additional emails if you want. But that's the best thing you can toggle years of experience, degrees. I mean, it has every every feature you could want. Sure. But keep it simple, know where you're looking. 
search the right people, job titles, all that stuff. Then once you have a project, you build a project in LinkedIn, you put them in a project, you save them, then you blast them with that message, right? Then from there, you're going to get response rates in, you're going to coordinate the calls, then you're going to go through your first interview call. And for us, it's different, right? It's different if I'm doing it externally for a client or internally for my company, because one, I'm running the whole process, one of them doing one call. And then the rest is just... Let's talk about doing the whole process because I think cool. that would be probably more relevant to people that are listening to this right now. So for so essentially what I do for my own Exactly. Company. Yeah, so we don't have some crazy sophisticated process. Like we're not like a hyper-growth company doing a 1,000 hires a year where you have to have a perfect framework and rating system. Like yeah. ClickUp is a great example of a company that did that very well. Um, but for me, if I talk to someone, then great. On the first call, I just want to get the full picture. So one, like... Before I ever pitch our company, I'm like, cool, what's this person all about? What's your track record? How many placements are you doing per year? What kind of revenue per year? What's your areas of focus? What types of companies? What are you motivated by professionally, personally? What is your values hierarchy? Like if you look at work-life balance, freedom, building wealth, personal or spiritual growth, if you look at these things, like what are you indexing on in life? So I want to get their value hierarchy so I understand the innerpinnings of how their mind works and what motivates them. And then if I'm like, wow, this person's legit, then I'll go into my pitch, talk about the company, toss it back to them for questions, gauge interest. Um, if it's great and I need more time, I'll set up a second call and go deeper myself. If I think they're ready, I'll put them through an executive circuit and they'll talk to all of our leadership team one-on-one. And those people will have different areas that they're going to focus on. We have our VP of Vibes. So <laughs> she focuses on pure culture. Uh, just to see if they if they check out with our, VP our values. Of vibes, we got to keep that one. So around. yeah, like so that. you might want a VP of vibes in your company. I like just, that. I think we uh, might have a VP of vibes, but yeah, you yeah. probably know who they are. They just yeah. need, they just need the title. Yeah, so like, yeah. we had her update her LinkedIn. <laughs> um, so VP of vibes, but then yeah, we're just consistently assessing, and then we just regroup and have a, a weekly cadence where so, we assess candidates. So what is the? Uh, I, I love that, and and we do something similar, but not with the exec team. Um, I kind of walked you through our three step process, but yeah, when you're when the executive interviews them are they giving you feedback or do you guys like how does that work so that you guys can make sure like did they uh, yeah they just send it over email okay um we because we could put it in a system but then it's going to be public if they ever join sure um so we just do it via email okay and then we meet we have a leadership meeting and we talk about candidates every week that we're interviewing and if someone's great we'll be like hey i need you to expedite this person like let's get the shit going but we're, we're small enough to where we can deviate a little bit from the course and yeah. make it happen. And but. and so uh, first interview and maybe a second interview with just you to yeah. get uh, pretty much answer all those questions yeah. that you had as well. And then I think also a mistake that some people make, and I know I did when I was first doing the interview process, is like, you almost, it's like, it's like sales. You almost, most people kind of assume the sale when, mm-hmm. especially if you're doing an outreach cold to a person, like, like if I were to do an outreach cold for scaling with systems and I get on the phone with somebody, I'm not going to be like, uh, at the like ask them all these questions and at the end be like all right cool it's like you know 15 grand right at the end of it right because they're gonna be like well what what the fuck is in it for me and i yeah. think i see a lot of people in the hiring process they go like you know they ask them all these questions and like okay great you're a good fit and like even if that person joins i don't think they've done enough of a job selling their own company and like oh, yeah. the opportunity can you talk about that for a moment like how do you kind of do you portray what the future is going to look like whether it's comp whether it's the culture like yeah. how do you sell someone so that it's like they're foaming at the mouth and they're literally like begging to work with you which is a great position to be in yeah. as the hire i think a lot of companies uh don't do this well yeah even like multi-billionaire companies a lot of them don't do this well they're just grilling other people and some of them have brands and all that but like either way I think on the first call, you should sell. Yeah. So I sell it crazy on the first call. I have my talking points about the story, how we got created. 
um, my five value props essentially as to why someone would be so excited. Like the the vision, the North Star, $100 million in annual revenue with under 100 people in the company. Never been done in the history of our industry. We're building the most elite firm on planet Earth with good heart-centered humans that actually love working together. So I think our model is completely different. There's never been a company successfully that's built an executive search firm and a scaling firm in one. Um, no one's done it well. Not one person. There's like the existing two separate entities. And when I share the case studies we've done, you know, 60 plus placements took a company from 90 million to 800 million in 10 months. Wow. Um, you know, like and built everything. You know, so when, we, when I start sharing some of these things and how we work and like the type of people we have and the caliber of our team and the North Star, our partnerships with tier one in like Andreessen Horowitz, tier one VC firms, there's a lot of like real shit. Not fluffy, like, yeah, our culture's awesome. Everyone's super warm. Everyone, like, celebrates each other. Like, I don't I don't speak in fluffy terms. I, I talk about tangible shit that makes us different, that's so exceptional. If they're not viscerally excited after that, they're the wrong fit on call one. Wow. Like, I can't. everyone we've hired has been freaking pumped after the first call with me. Like, just pumped. And everyone else is more so validating how awesome we are. But I'm, like, hyping us up on the first call. Which is your job. It's my job, and it's it's accurate, too. Yeah. I'm not bullshitting. Well, I think there's two things. One is, like, you you talk about the past, but every good CEO and visionary tells lies. They're, they're present lies and future truths. Yeah, they're painting the future. They're painting the future. Right now, it's a lie. Like, we're $100 million in a, with under 100 people in annual revenue. It's never been done. That's, where, that's, that's quantum. Yeah. They have to believe that's true even when it's not true yet. So I think that's a big thing is, like, you got to have evidence that points to them that you're not bullshit. Yep. But it's like, no, like you got to get them excited about a future vision and their part in that. And so let's say you make the offer. What are kind of some of the mistakes that you see? This is awesome, by the way. I'm taking a lot of notes, even myself. What are some of the things you see mistakes wise after like either first one day, first seven days, first 14 days? Because even in your company or maybe you get somebody, it's a grand slam person. Like you're like, you hire this person, the person hires them. And then for some reason they don't, it doesn't work out the first seven, mm -hmm. 14, 30 days. Cause it's so silly. And it, once again, it's that direct correlation between recruiting and, and act client acquisition, but like client acquisition, if you do all the sexy marketing and like sales and you close the deal and then you're just like, yeah, go fuck off. Like obviously the person's going to be pissed off in seven to 14 days. Right. Yeah. Which is what the majority of businesses do. They do 99% of the time, energy and efforts on getting the sale and then after that they don't really give a shit anymore that's how poor businesses are run yeah and same way in the hiring system right yeah. and this is something that i'm even trying to get better at as well i'm not amazing at it but like what are some of the mistakes that you do see uh, if maybe you see with your clients or your own company some mistakes you have made after that person's been accepted to like make sure that everything that you said is aligned with what they're getting and what they're seeing and like is there any kind of feedback loop 7 30 you know 45 days 60 days one year what does that look like yeah i could definitely be better about creating systems around this within my own company yeah i think when you're in a startup you kind of have this like unspoken or sometimes it is spoken it's a, it's a little bit less organized to some regard so like i don't even like the word management in my personal company i'd rather have mentors okay right like we have structures so we can have that but at the same time like i think number one is we have an onboarding process so you have something there we have an awesome head of operations who does all our hr makes people feel super loved and sends out awesome emails and makes them feel warm, send them a, a care package with all our swag and nice. all that. And then the first week, whoever's leading mm -hmm. that person uh, will do a vision exercise too. Like, what is your life vision? What is your goals? What do you want to achieve here? What's the game plan for getting you there? So 
we have clear expectations as best we can. We can always improve it. Um, but we just try to invest in the person and let them also know that they're responsible for communication and, and taking their career where they want it to go. Got it. Right? So at an early stage company, at a corporate company, they have all the systems in place. It's very like black and white cookie cutter. We don't even have all that necessarily. So people have to advocate for themselves. Hey, I want to do this. I saw your pitch in these types of clients. I want to work here on more of the BD side. Can you show me how to do that? That's kind of the people we look for is who take responsibility, extreme ownership for taking their career where they want it to go versus having to be told exactly what to do. So I, I think what we do is just try to keep everyone engaged. And then we have weekly, we have daily meetings, yeah. right? So we're always building culture every day. So everyone's feeling you know, ingrained. We have a lot of one-on-one -on -one time going over different clients and trainings and all that. So we just try to be hands-on yeah. and just keep a, a great culture and do check-ins, but we don't have a crazy formal process. No, I mean, I don't think it's required, especially you like know? you said, like you're not hiring 100 people a month. Like you don't need something too formal. Yeah. Uh, but I think putting people in charge of specific things, like whether it's department heads, uh, head of operations. Yeah. I think most people- That's that's true. Yeah. Our head of operations, if she's listening to this, Linnea, she was the hire I didn't know I needed that nothing would have been possible without. Wow. Like she called, she called me and said, "Hey, I hate my company that I'm working for, and uh, I, I want to come work with you." And I was like, "I don't even know what you would do, right?" And she had recruited a little bit, and we started her out recruiting, but that wasn't the right role for her, and so we pivoted her. But she said, "Hey, you have all these problems. I can do all these things, right?" So she does all of our finances. She's a big four accountant. She does our FP&A strategy. She works with our HR consultant. She does all of our HR, all of our systems all of our Excel sheets, all of our project management. I mean, she's like, we call her our Swedish army knife because she's from Sweden. <laughs> but like someone like that, dude, I couldn't scale this without her. She does all the, the payroll. Like I can't do that shit. I yeah. have no idea how to work those numbers. Those sheets are, are like cr crazy to yeah, me. Yeah, they're a different language. So having that one person, again, hiring great people, she's a freaking savant. And I'll say this one thing, this is worth it because uh, I brought her on initially. I was like, hey, you're going to do part HR operations and recruit. I still need you to produce revenue. At that stage, she came in and she fucking hated recruiting. It was like pulling teeth trying to get her to recruit. So I had the wrong person. I had the right person in the wrong role. Yeah. So I had to be willing to let go of the revenue and say, all right, you're going to be an expense to the business, but you're so valuable that we can get a better return for the company, even if you're not in a revenue producing role. So I had an exceptional person that I just had to figure out what are her actual gifts. A lot of times people would just try to make people who they need them to be. Yeah. And that screws you up. So you have to know, this is, this is actually from Tony Robbins. Hire people whose jobs naturally reflect their their natural tendencies. Like figure out someone's natural tendencies, their proclivities, and give them a job that does that. Yeah. Because you're always going to return back to your baseline personality. So if she's like more nurturing and motherly, putting her in a competitive sales role is the exact opposite. I'm a sales killer. I'm the Kool-Aid guy. I love running through walls. Put me in a nurturing role. I'm going to be the least empathetic HR person ever, <laughs> right? So you got to kind of know yourself and get – everyone has exceptional gifts, I found, and you just got to know how to utilize them. Yeah, I love that so much. And even one of the biggest lessons I've also had to learn, uh, even previously when I was looking for a recruiter HR role, you were like, dude, it's going to be impossible to find somebody with both those things together. I think it's also narrowing down. Like you probably were like – hey, I want this operations person, but I also want every single person that's coming to be helping us make money, right? Yeah, I want yeah, you yeah. to make an ROI on it. Yeah. Um, and I think that at least a lesson that I've been learning as well is like, you know, there's a there's a lot of value in specialty and you can actually mm. hurt yourself either in the hiring process or even in the actual um, employee process by going like, oh, I would like you to do 
everything. Yes. Right? And that's Dude, not going to work. You nailed on something that's very much worth talking about is you said, what does it take to go from like seven figures to eight figures to nine figures? Yeah. As we scale, generalists versus specialists. Startups hire generalists. And as you scale, you need to hire more specialists, period. Right? I'm a generalist executive recruiter. I've done a few of every skill set. You put me in any situation, I will sell the opportunity. I will figure out the problem, even if I've never done it before. Um, that $10 billion client opportunity, they said, can you do this role? Massive role. I'd never done anything like it before. Wow. I had no, normally no one would ever get that opportunity. You have to have 50 of that exact skill set from a top firm to ever have a shot there. But I always just sell myself into the opportunity and figure it out. Um, that works to a certain level. That's what entrepreneurs do. That's what startup people are generalists. They can do a lot of shit. They're gritty and they're going to roll up their sleeves no matter what. Specialist scale. So get the best CRO recruiter. Get the best CTO recruiter. Get the best like department heads. Um, that is when you see asymmetric gains because the best people are specialized. But you need to be able to be flexible and agile enough to get the opportunities to build the base and the revenue stream and the cash flow to attract those people. But that's how you start scaling to the next level. Uh, so well said. And I think the other thing that another mistake and lesson that I uh, kind of had to learn as well is like the people that took you from A to B may not be the people that take you from B to C or even B to Z. They right? usually won't. So if you, like you talked about before, I think almost everybody listening to this right now, the first few people you hire in a specific role or a department, like, it's going to be rare that those people are going to be the ones that take you all the way because you you typically need a generalist in the very beginning. Absolutely. And it would be almost um, silly if you hired a specialist when you first started out. Mm -hmm. Either you'd be wasting too much money or they wouldn't be getting enough done that you needed to get done. But then once you get to a certain stage, I think people are more in danger of not making the transition from the generalist to the specialist, which, like you said, gets you absolute asymmetric returns. Yes, exactly. Um Chris, epic, epic podcast, my man. I, I really loved having you on here. Really, really enjoyable. I've learned so much, uh, and I always continue to learn so much from you, dude. You're, you're an incredibly smart guy. Um, and we didn't get to touch on some of like the other amazing conversations you and I have had, but we might have to do a second episode uh, and have you on here to talk a little bit more about the other side of Chris Vasquez that a lot of people don't know about. But uh, if people are watching this right now, they want to maybe learn a little bit more from you. Yeah. Um, maybe they want to contact you, maybe even work with you potentially. Yeah. What's the best places that people can find you? So LinkedIn, Chris Vasquez, uh, Quantum Talent Group is the company. And then Instagram is at Chris Vasquez Official. Love it. Awesome, guys. I appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.